we will be shipwrecked on an island. That's our theme verse from Acts chapter 27, verse 26 for this week's Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Senior Pastor Perry Duggar continues the series called Church Extended and today's episode, Shipwrecked. Here's this week's spiritual practice. What truth from the Bible or promise of God has become very personal for you? Write this on a note card and read it each day this week to remind you of God's goodness. If you want to watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or search through our message archives, visit brookwoodchurch.org slash watch or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date on the Church Extended Series. We pray this message encourages you and your walk with Christ. And now, Pastor Perry Duggar. I want to reiterate what David said earlier. Aside from the guitarists on stage, everyone on stage is in high school. Jacob Russo has done a marvelous job developing not just their musicianship or their vocal ability, but their spiritual. We owe a debt of gratitude to And so some of you may ought to volunteer to work with these, I call them kids, but these young folks, um, these students. See, the real church is not shriveling in this country. The veneer of cultural Christianity is. But God's people are still God's people. And these young folks know how to stand and they know how to worship and they know how to lead. So don't lose heart. Don't, t- don't count by the number. I think it may be more difficult to be a Christian in the coming days. I think that it's going to be required of us to stand in our culture and speak in our culture. But it's not because there are fewer Christians. It's just that the culture is not going to be religious. Let me tell you this, the church never thrives in a so-called religious culture. The the church thrives in opposition. Are you ready is my question. Are you ready? Let me hear whether you're ready. Today I conclude the series, the survey of Acts which I chose this book last summer because I could already see, as you could, that the culture was shifting, that conflict was arising from many places. And I felt that Acts would train us well and give us insights into functioning in a culture that was hostile or becoming hostile. And I think it has if we've paid attention. It's shown us how to deal with racial issues because there were racial issues as the church began to be formed and it was led by people from different races and different locales. And the people worked together, the leaders worked together. The the church had to be merged from people who didn't even like each other. So the lessons have been there for us. I hope that we've taken them to heart and that we're practicing the lessons 
that we have learned from this important narrative of the way the church began. So I close out Church Extended today, but today's message is entitled Shipwreck, which Paul encountered sailing to Rome in 60 AD. The theme verse, if you take out your outline or your online or you're using your smartphones, the theme verse is part of Acts 27. We'll deal with Acts 27 and 28 today, but don't worry, I will sail quickly through so that we don't ship, get shipwrecked by the clock. Because I know how some of y'all bail out. And if you abandon ship, you will drown. But verse 26 says, we will be shipwrecked on an island. Some of you may have encountered actual shipwrecks, but all of us have encountered crashes in the, in the spiritual, in the physical, in the financial, in the emotional realm. We've all encountered damage resulting from storms that have descended on our relationships, in our employment, in our health, and relating to our faith. And some of you are in the midst of such a storm today. Some of you may be hanging on to debris because you've already passed through a shipwreck. Acts 27 verse 1 begins, when the time came, we, now this we, this pronoun includes Luke. Luke's been absent during Paul's two-year imprisonment in Caesarea. And they set sail for Italy. Paul and several other prisoners were placed in the custody of a Roman officer named Julius, a captain of the Imperial Regiment, which we would refer to as a centurion. Now drop to verse five. Well, let me just summarize. Verse five and six tell us that Paul was on a small coastal ship that sort of hugged the coastline and went from port to port. And it landed at Myra in, in Lycia, today Turkey. And there in Myra, they left this small ship and they boarded a larger Alexandrian grain ship that was bound for Rome. These small ships did not venture out across the Mediterranean. Verse eight. We struggled along the coast with great difficulty and finally arrived at Fair Havens near the town of Lycia. They'd been we had lost a lot of time. They'd been waiting for more favorable weather. But the weather was becoming dangerous because it was so late in the fall, mid-September to mid-November, are not times to sail out across the Mediterranean. And Paul spoke to the ship's officers about it. Now, Paul had sailed at least 10 or even a dozen times. And so he spoke first here, but we're going to see from this passage 
why Paul's ship wrecked in the storm. And we're going to learn from that how we can survive and really better avoid shipwrecks in our lives. We survive shipwrecks first by resisting worldly advice. Now, Centurion Julius huddled with the sailors and and the captain and they discussed their sailing plan. But apparently they invited Paul. They'd already recognized his wisdom. And Paul was a very experienced traveler. However, Paul had already suffered through three shipwrecks before this one, 2 Corinthians 11, 25. So he had something to say about sailing at certain times of the year. Verse 10, men, I believe there is trouble ahead if we go on, shipwreck, loss of cargo, and danger to our lives as well. He gave a very clear warning. What, was this something that he received from God or just something from experience? We don't know. We don't know here. It could have been, it certainly was experience, but it could have been a direct message from God as well. But it's not identified that way. But the officer in charge of the prisoners, that was Julius, he was, he, the reason that he was so important was because this was a Roman grain ship. So this centurion, he really was in charge of this ship. And it says that he listened more to the ship's captain and the owner than to Paul. In other words, he listened to the so-called experts. He rejected Paul's advice. Now it's true that the captain had the most experience at sea and the owner had the most at stake. He had the greatest interest in the ship's survival, but their advice would prove to be wrong. The ship's captain and the owner were motivated by what? Finances. They wanted to complete the delivery and be paid, even though it was the wrong time of the year to sail out across the Mediterranean. So they, they disregarded Paul's advice and it was advice that they both well knew. You see, advice from so-called experts is not always right, particularly when they are personally motivated. You know what I'm talking about. Someone wants to sell you something. You better be careful because their interest may be more their own wallet than your well-being. Verse 12. And since Fair Havens was an exposed harbor, a poor place to spend the winter, most of the crew I like the NIV translation here better. The majority wanted to go on to Phoenix, farther up the coast of Crete, and spend the winter there. The majority opinion would prove to be wrong. See, here's what happens. People have limited perspective. And their perspectives are often obscured by personal desires. 
And sometimes they may not even be aware of their own drives and desires. And so they may not, they may not recognize that they're, they are not objective or they may recognize it and they may hide it. But beware of the majority because a crowd can be more easily influenced emotionally than a single person. And as believers, we must never follow the prevailing opinions of our culture or even the attitude of friends or family members because all of those things are susceptible to manipulation. Look at how the moral views of our culture have been changed. Not because God changed, not even because what we believe to be right and true is changed, but because of the, the incessant pressure of our culture. Sometimes it's just a strong personality that can sway an entire crowd. Group think, sometimes we refer to it as a mob mentality, actually diminishes an individual's sense of self, including reducing that person's personal judgment and individual moral standards. You see people get caught up and do things that they would never do individually. Verse 13, when a light wind began blowing from the south, the sailors thought they could make it. The NIV translation I think is better. The sailors obtained what they wanted. God's word translation says, thought their plan would work. Again, they, they, they lost their objectivity. So they pulled up anchor and sailed close to the shore of Crete. See, it looked like the circumstances were favorable, but be careful. Because your personal preferences may be looking for something that's not even there. Are barely there. And it kind of can be stated this way. How can this be wrong? When? What's the rest of it, Susan? When it feels so right. How can this be wrong? When it's what I want or think I do. You know, in the many years of ministry, I have encountered a number of people who have said they were single people and they wanted a, they wanted a mate, they wanted a spouse, and they wanted somebody so godly, committed to God, committed to his word, committed to a moral lifestyle, moral dating, moral marriage, all of that. And then they come up with someone (laughs) 
And this person they come up with isn't all that, wasn't going to church at all, hadn't lived a very moral life. And the most that could be said was they were willing to come to church some. I remember talking to a person. I said, now you told me you wanted this and this and this. And you got this. But he says he's willing to come to our church. How many think that turned out well? See, circumstances. I want this so badly that I read the circumstances through blinders. And you actually interpret what's not there. Because you want it so badly to happen. A lot of those decisions end up shipwrecked. And there's great regret after the fact. Is anybody hearing me on this? But y'all don't know anything about anybody ever doing this. Verse 14. But the weather changed abruptly and a wind of typhoon strength called a nor'easter burst across the island and blew us out to sea. The sailors couldn't turn the ship into the wind. So they gave up and let it run before the gale. What would you call that? They let it what? What'd you say? Ride. Ride. They let it ride. Or another word for ride. Drift. They let it drift. Anybody adrift in here? You quit making the right decisions and you're just going with the flow. You're just going where your friends, your family, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your somebody you want to be your boyfriend or girlfriend is just pushing you along. You are never more close to drowning than when you're adrift. Just going with the flow, letting the culture tell you what's right. Are you adrift? Is this culture carrying you in your morality, in your opinions, in your judgments? There's a verse that all of us know. We've looked at it a lot in the last few years, Romans 12, 2. Anybody remember what it says? Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, the sailors are in a mess now. Then the sailors bound ropes around the hull of the ship to strengthen it. And they lowered the sea anchor to to slow the ship and were driven before the wind. Now, now that's not wrong, but you see, here's what happens. Here's what happens. They've made some bad decisions. They're in a terribly precarious position. 
So they just do the best they can. They've, they've wrapped ropes all the way around the ship. And they're trying to lash them together to hold the boat together. You ever found yourself doing that? You ever said, I'm just trying to hold it together. Because see, the problem is when you don't make the right decision on the, in the first place and you end up in a, in a storm that's threatening a crash. Yeah, yeah, of course you're trying to hold it together. I'm just doing all I can. I'm trying to hold it together. But often you can't. Often you can't. It says they, they lowered the sea anchor to try to slow the ship down and they were driven. The, they did the best they could, but the, but the storm continued. Verse 18. The next day as the gale force winds continued to batter the ship, the crew began throwing the cargo overboard. You ever done that? The following day, they even took some of the ship's gear and threw it overboard. How wise is that? You ever found yourself there? You're in a bad place. And you start throwing away valuable things that you will need. You didn't like the opinion of your mama. She's gone. You didn't like the opinion of your friends. They're gone. You definitely didn't like what God had to say about your situation. So he's gone. The word, that Bible's cast overboard. It's in the way. See, when we get under stress, we start casting stuff off. We think we're getting a burden off of us. But what we're doing is we're throwing away what we're going to need to go through the storm. You ever seen that? Y'all leave me alone. I'm doing this myself. You're not doing anything but sinking by yourself. Don't listen to it, folks. When somebody tries to cast you out in a storm, go right in the storm. Get your umbrella, go right on in. People cast away even their faith when things look tough. The faith they're going to need And the terrible storm raged for many days, blotting out the sun and the stars. So they got no way of navigation. You ever seen that happen? People don't know, we put it this way, they don't know which ends up. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They don't know who to believe. They don't know where to go. You know anybody that ever got there? Until at last, all hope was gone. The only thing these people had to look forward to was drowning. See, I've touched, it's amazing how many different sources of advice there are in this passage, aren't there? Expert suggestions, majority opinion, circumstances, none of those are truly reliable ways to determine the right course of action. And they certainly won't reveal God's plan, God's purpose, or God's will. See, sometimes we think God doesn't know anything about our situation. 
God doesn't know anything about my romance. God doesn't know anything about my finances. God doesn't know anything about what I'm trying to do. You think God knows anything about it? But we cast him out a while ago. What does he know about investments? What does he know about romance? How do you make decisions? See, some of us need to cut off some of the inputs in our lives. Cut off some of this, cut off some of this news. They don't have your best interest. Well, my side does. Cut off both of them. And figure out how to hear something from God. How about that? God gave you his spirit. He knows more than anybody online. Can you hear what the spirit wants you to know? I don't know. I'm surprised. Now, I'm 100 years old. But it's amazing, isn't it, that we survived it all before we had this internet. I don't much have it now. I told you I have this friend of mine who's a pastor, but he's, some, he's somebody. And I, you know, he said, you don't even have a presence online. Okay, I can live with that one. I said, what difference will it make? But from whom do you gather advice? How do you make decisions? Who or what shaping your thinking? Are they God? Because that's where we're going. Because you survive shipwrecks by relying, relying on godly guidance. Godly guidance. Verse 21. On down that verse. Finally, Paul called the crew together. And he said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. Paul didn't mind giving a good rebuke now and then. I'm going to tell you what, parents and friends, don't be silent. I don't, you don't have to be arrogant, but people need to hear truth. And sometimes they might resist it, reject it, reject you, but you're planting it anyway. Speak. How are these younger folks going to be taught if we don't speak? Because if we don't speak, I can tell you who's speaking. You've got to speak. But take courage, he said. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. That thing you love, that person you love, they may not hang around, but you won't lose your life. For last night, an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, 
God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God. It will be just as he said. Folks, the only reliable guidance is from God. Only he sees the future. Only he really knows you. And so we must be sure that we're seeking God's direction in every situation. And that God's instruction is guiding every decision. Now y'all know how God guides you, but it takes some practice. God does speak directly to us. But be careful. Be careful. Because sometimes what we want can be so prominent that it drowns out God's voice. So we need to hear from God and we need to confirm God, confirm what we think God's saying by looking in the scripture. And the scripture's objective, but the Holy Spirit will apply the objective truth of the scripture in a subjective way to our situation. But also, talk to some godly people. Tell them what you think you're hearing, what you plan to do. Receive their input. Talk to someone that understands God's ways. You know, when we look for leaders for this church, we don't look for the, the person with the most money or the bank president. We look for someone who has a reputation for praying and listening to God. That's what we want in leadership. And you can look at circumstances, but be careful, be careful, be careful to circumstances because they are susceptible to being misinterpreted and misread. So look at your circumstances, but then you examine those biblically. What's the scripture say? What do godly people say? What's God himself saying to me? So the best way to understand what God wants from you is to what? Combine them all. Combine them all. Paul continued at Acts 27, verse 26. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. That seems to be a discontinuity, doesn't it? Okay, now the angel came. He told me we're all going to survive. Wonderful. And we're all going to be in a shipwreck. Following God does not mean we won't suffer. Mike, you know anything about that? I can tell you we do. My family does. In fact, the scripture, both promises will have hardship and he won't abandon us. Humanly speaking, that seems inconsistent, doesn't it? We think where God is is all good for me. If everything's good for me, it won't leave. Who said that? What'd you say, Susan? You won't need God. You won't need God. 
But the promise is, yes, hardships are coming. John 16, in this world, you'll have trouble. But we will not face them alone. Negative circumstances do not mean abandonment by God. So where are you? You have a decision to make today? Are you seeking God's direction from multiple sources before making your decisions? That's how you avoid shipwrecks. And we survive shipwrecks by remembering God's promises. Verse 27. About midnight on the 14th night of the storm. Not many of us have patience for suffering, do we? On a ship and it's storming and it's going on at least two weeks already. The 14th night of the storm. As we were being driven across the sea of Adria, that, that's not the Adriatic. It's actually the cent- center of the Mediterranean. Sailors sensed that land was near. So they must have been nearer the coast and heard waves crashing. And then they, they made drop soundings and they determined that the water was getting shallower and shallower. You can see in that verse from 120 feet down to 90 feet. At this rate, we were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back. What's the back of a ship? Stern. And prayed for daylight. Now we haven't seen any indication these are all believers, have we? I'm gonna tell you, you can't find an atheist in a crisis. (laughs) And I believe it's, it's spiritually promised that every person understands the reality of God. Eternity in their hearts is the way Ecclesiastes says it. Romans 1 talks about we all know about God just from creation. People know God is real. Now they may, they may sin against him. They may rail against him. They may reject him verbally, but put them in a crisis. Put them in a crisis. Then the panicking sailors tried to abandon ship. Look what they did. They lowered the lifeboat, but read this closely. They lowered the lifeboat. It said earlier they pulled it on ship. As though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. So what's happening here? What do you see? Treachery. Betrayal. I mean, here's what they did. I mean, read it. You read this script. I want y'all remember I've taught you. Read it close. What they did, they went up to the front of the boat where the lifeboat was and they acted like they were going to throw out some more anchors. What they were doing was they were launching the lifeboat for them to leave the ship and let everybody else drown because these were the sailors. 
But Paul said to the commanding officer and the soldiers, you will die unless the sailors stay on board. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. You think the soldiers were mad? I think it was foolish cutting the lifeboat up loose. But see, here's the thing. People under pressure display their true character. Here, what we see is selfish betrayal attempted by these sailors. And then this unwise, angry action by the soldiers. They would need the lifeboat, but they are hacked. So they cut the ropes. In anger, you ever cut away something that you found out you would need later? God's promise that all would be saved required all to work together to remain on board. You know, when people are in rebellion, young people, often older people, and they just cut the ropes everywhere, cut themselves off from everybody. They're going to do their thing. And then they hit a shipwreck. There's nobody around. Don't let them cut you out. You hear me? Don't let them cut you out and don't be quiet. You keep showing up. Verse 39 When morning dawned and they didn't recognize the coastline, they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So it says they they cut the anchors off and left them in the sea. But they hit a shoal in verse 41 and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship stuck fast while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart which they have found four anchors like the four cut away in St. Thomas Bay right off the coast of Malta. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape. They'd be punished if they escaped. But the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul. He respected him. So he didn't let them carry out their plan. And God, God's providence, he preserved. He put a man that would value Paul and not let the soldiers kill him impulsively. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to planks or debris from the broken ship. So everyone, all 276, escaped safely to shore. Paul knew God's promise that all would survive. But notice, we, we cooperate with the will of God, see? There's a, there's a human responsibility as well. And so yes, Paul said, we're all gonna survive, but part of surviving is these sailors don't abandon ship. Paul demanded that the sailors 
not abandon ship because it could have led to destruction of the ship in deeper water where they could not have swam to shore. When we're in despair over some seemingly hopeless situation, we have to cling to God's promise. When your circumstances don't look good, remember God's revealed truth to you. Because circumstances are bad doesn't mean God's bad. God's promised he would not abandon you. So you've got to hold on. And any of you that can hold on, keep declaring God's promises. For those that give up and ready to bail out, don't let them. Don't let them cut you off and keep saying God's promised this. Hold on in the midst of the storm. They landed on Malta. Verse 11 in chapter 28 says that they stayed there three months. And you can read that. That's where the, the Paul was bitten by the poisonous snake and survived. He did some healings and all. But three months later, they set sail for Rome on another Alexandrian grain ship. Verse 16. When we arrived in Rome, Paul was permitted to have his own private lodging though he was guarded by a soldier. So I don't know how private that is, being chained to his wrist. But three days after Paul's arrival, he called together the local Jewish leaders. So he goes right through a shipwreck. He recovers for three days. He rounds up the Jews, all the leaders. Because Paul, even though he was called to reach Gentiles, he kept his love for the Jews. Read Romans chapter 11. And so he began with these Jews trying to reason them into the gospel. He continued his ministry. And then he says, I ask you to come here today, at verse 20, so we could get acquainted and so I could explain to you that I'm bound with this chain because I believe that the hope of Israel, the Messiah, has already come. Now let's skip down to 23. So a time was set, and on that day, a large number of people came to Paul's lodging. He explained and testified about the kingdom of God and tried to persuade them about Jesus from the scriptures, meaning the, the law and the prophets. There's no New Testament scriptures yet, but there's about to be. Some were persuaded by the things he said. Others didn't believe. You know, if you ever are disappointed because someone doesn't respond to your explanation of the gospel, they didn't all respond to Paul. More rejected his message than accepted it. And for, but for the next two years, Paul lived in Rome at his own expense as a prisoner. He welcomed all who visited him boldly proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one tried to stop him. See, he was attacked when he was free. He was protected when he was in prison, when he was confined. Sometimes it's our adverse circumstances that opens the way for our ministry. During these two years of confinement, 
Paul continued to evangelize everyone who came. And the gospel spread throughout the Roman Empire. And while he was confined, he wrote Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. What negative circumstances are constraining or confining your life right now? What shipwreck has happened? Do you believe that God can use the storms that are descending, the shipwrecks that occur to shape your character, to deepen your faith, to enable you to pursue his purpose and his plan for your life? See, God might have had to have broken something out of your hand to change your heart. You want God to use your life? Do you want him to use the storm you're in? The crash that you're headed for? He will. He will. If you'll trust him and you'll obey his direction. Follow his guidance. Care volunteers will be here. They'll pray with you. They'll anoint you with oil for healing. Father, help us to see our stormy situations through eyes of faith. Help us, Lord, not to doubt your faithfulness because of the shipwrecks that have fallen on us through our own fault or, or, or not through our fault. But Lord, help us to see that you don't abandon us in whatever situation we're in. And that you can glorify your name and lead many to faith through the suffering we are encountering. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. Our memory verse is from Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. At Brookwood, we want to help you pursue a relationship with Jesus so that you can experience a transformed life. One way you can do this is by getting connected at Brookwood. Please email us, connections at brookwoodchurch.org or call 864-688-8326 to speak to someone on our connections team. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast. Thanks for listening and have a great week.